Dust or stardust, what are you made of? Recently, I've been facing some stressful and challenging situations that have robbed me of sleep and peace of mind. When I attempted to pray and find solace and comfort, I found instead my mind filled with confusion and uncertainty. It was like dust particles were floating around in my brain, which got me to thinking, dust or stardust, what am I made of? And so my search began as I knew God was trying to teach me something through this unusual vision. And this is what I found. As many of us already know, common house dust, that fine pale layer that constantly coats our furniture, is actually comprised of an alarming mixture of dead skin cells, flakes of hair, clothing fibers, bits of dead bugs, as well as dirt and pollen. Even bacteria is part of that ugly, misty film. What a disgusting combination. That should make us grab that cloth and can of pledge quicker than anything to sweep that sludge away. Yet at times we let dust build up to the point that some jokester may write a message in it reminding us to clean me. Sometimes too we let dust build up in our hearts and minds, layers of spiritual dirt like hurt and anger and unforgiveness. And if we let it go long enough, bitterness. As Paul warns the Ephesian church, he warns us too. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior advising them to take the Holy Spirit dust cloth to wipe away such thinking by letting the Spirit renew our thoughts and attitudes. But how do we get there? How do we go from earthly dust to God's stardust? Well, the reality is that we're made of stardust. One science writer reports that 93% of the mass in our body is stardust. Planetary scientist and stardust expert Dr. Ashley King concurs, telling the Natural History Museum reporter it's totally true, 100%. Nearly all the elements in the human body were made in a star, and many have come through several supernovas. Supernovas are the remains of exploded stars that flung their particles to the farthest reaches of the universe, including our Earth. And as Earth hosts 92 natural elements, Every ingredient in the human body is made from elements forged by stars. Thus, when God scooped up the dust of the earth to form his first creation, he knew he was scooping up stardust, pieces of the galaxies that he had made. Hence, when we read in Genesis 2 that the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, he was fashioning us from stardust. No wonder David said, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. But not only are we made of stardust, but we read he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils and the man became a living person. Further, we're told that he created human beings in his own image, in the image of God he created them. Although Adam was created in God's image and breathed with the breath of God, still he abandoned God as his father and took up his own way, seeking his own image to worship and adore. That's why Jesus had to come to earth to die for humanity, so we could be reunited to our father once more. Paul writes the Corinthians this, The first man, Adam, became a living person, but the last Adam, that's Christ, is a life-giving spirit. What comes first is the natural body, then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, <clears throat> while Christ, the second man, came from heaven.
Therefore, it wasn't enough that we were made of stardust, for far too quickly we combined that stardust with the bugs and bacteria of the world, corrupting and corroding the beauty of God's creation. What became of us is seen in Revelation 8, which talks about a great star that fell from the sky, burning like a torch. It fell on one-third of the rivers and on the springs of the water. The name of the star was bitterness. It made one-third of the water bitter, and many people died from drinking that bitter water. We therefore need to drink of the life-giving water offered by Jesus Christ. Jesus offers it first to the Samaritan woman at the well who comes in shame and disgrace in the heat of the day to collect water. Patiently, he waits for her and calmly asks for a drink. Startled, she asks, why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replies, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Still, she has doubts. How can you offer better water than Jacob, our famous ancestor? Jesus persists. Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Eagerly, the woman receives this news. Please, sir, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to drink water. Fortunately, she realized Jesus wasn't just talking about ordinary water, but the cleansing water that comes from the refreshing words of God and her life and the lives of many Samaritans in her village accepted Jesus as the savior of the world. Jesus shares the life-giving water message again to the Jews gathered in Jerusalem for the festival of shelters, saying, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to anyone believing in him. Although some believed him to be the Messiah foretold of old, the leading priests and Pharisees did not, and they arrested him, or they wanted to, fulfilling the words of the prophet Jeremiah, who wrote, For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all, fulfilling his self second prophetic word O oh lord the hope of israel all who turn away from you will be disgraced they will be buried in the dust of the earth for they have abandoned the lord the fountain of living water god warned adam of this after his rebellion when he cast him from the garden by the sweat of your brow you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made for you were made of dust and to dust you will return but we know full well this was not our Heavenly Father's intention when he fashioned us from stardust. But he knows our fragile state. Psalm 103 states, The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Yet it is by his love, which remains forever, that he extends his salvation to his children, removing their sins as far from us as the east is from the west. In the same way, he counts the stars and calls them by name. He calls us by name. As the prophet Isaiah tells us, the Lord called me before my birth. From within the womb, he called me by name. 
Jesus explains this as well when he tells the parable of the good shepherd and his sheep, saying he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And they follow him because they know his voice. And he goes on to promise my sheep, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. And so, beloved, what are we then, dust or stardust? The prophet Daniel writes, those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like stars forever. Perhaps that's why the Lord said to Abram, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. We were meant to look at the stars and their brightness and see ourselves and the glory of God that he has made in us to shine for him. Too many times we see ourselves only as dusk. We ask, as David did in Psalm 8, when I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals, that you should think about them, human beings, that you should care for them. Yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. In the same way that the Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created, he breathed the word and the stars were born. In that way, he scooped up the stardust of the earth and he fashioned us in his image, breathing the life-giving spirit into us that we may be one with him and live forever in his glorious presence. So the next time you look up at the night sky and see the sparkling vastness of his universe, remember how he has made you and for whom. You are not just dust, beloved, but stardust, for in you he has done great things, too marvelous to understand and continues to perform countless miracles. God bless you, beloved. God bless you.